Welcome to the Small School Big Time Hoops Podcast with your host, Javon Masters. First, I want to thank everyone for the support I received after launching the pod. It was awesome to hear from a lot of different people inside the coaching industry and others who are just fans of the game. If you haven't had a chance, go check out the opening tip to find out what this pod is all about, and then give a listen to episode number one with Lionel Jones, head women's basketball coach at Viterbo University. I'm excited to bring you podcast number two today. Our guest is the head women's basketball coach at Dakota State, Dave Moe. The Trojans are coming off a 17-14 and 14 season, which included a 10-game winning streak and a conference semifinals appearance. We talk about how Dave ended up at Mayville State and why he stepped away from the game as a player after his freshman year. Hear about how he got his start in coaching as a practice player at Mayville State, eventually joining his staff and spending 12 years there. We talk about his passion for coaching and why Dakota State was the right fit for him. Finally, we talk about facing his former program and the epic battle we had this season. When we come back, you'll hear from the head women's basketball coach at Dakota State, Dave Moe. I want to welcome in the head women's basketball coach at Dakota State, Dave Moe. Uh, Dakota State, which is an NAIA school located in Madison, South Dakota, competes in the North Star Athletic Association. The Trojans are coming off a 17-14 and 14 record and their first conference Final Four appearance during Coach Moe's tenure. Coach, I'm really excited to have you. Welcome to the pod. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Um, not everyone has had a chance to obviously watch your team play, but if I had to describe your kind of style of coaching and your coaching staff to others, I would say that your team is high energy. Um, I've seen you guys play a couple of times, and we get on the court about 60 minutes before, and as soon as that 60 minutes hits, you guys are hyping the girls up, you're getting them going, you're just getting everyone really excited. I think you guys have a lot of fun with the game, and that definitely rubs off on your players. Is that something that you save for game days, or is that something that is part of your culture at Dakota State? It's just it's just part of who we are. You know, uh, through the recruiting process, we talk to our players about, you know, basketball is something that's very special. But at the end of the day, basketball is a game, and games should be fun. You know, I don't care if you're playing checkers or if you're playing football or, you know, like whatever game you're playing – Game should be fun. And if you do things the right way and you have an unselfish mentality and you just you really enjoy competing, then fun kind of takes care of itself. And, you know, my staff, myself and, and my assistant coach, Jamal Branco, Jamal Branco might be the most energetic person I've ever been around in my life. I, I love having him on staff. I am uh, very passionate about what I do. I show a little bit differently than than he does, but both of us just we're not afraid to be who we are you know we're we're out there we're we're loud we're we can be goofy at times and it's about doing things the right way but having fun while you're doing it because when you're having fun it's just it makes it so much easier and so much more enjoyable yeah and I can see that with your girls and I definitely think that what you see is what you get with your program there's an old idea with you guys before we jump into kind of your story and talk about basketball a little bit more I think it'd be interesting for our viewers just to know what has life been like for you during like this whole pandemic? Uh, it's, you know, it's obviously, it's been unique. Um, it's 
the one thing I will say is that as a college coach, you know, we're constantly going, you know, it's, it's recruiting in the off season during the season, it's breaking down film, it's practice planning, it's, you know, everything. And this has been kind of a nice change for me. I'm a father of three daughters. My oldest is eight. You know, uh, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and, you know, they keep me very busy at home, but it's been really fun for me just to kind of take a step back and be dad for a little bit where I'm not always having to, you know, go, 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 you know, and we're still, we're still working, you know, we're still recruiting, we're still breaking down film, we're, we're, we're doing all those things, but being able to just be home and be dad and be a better husband for my wife and, you know, all of those things has been really kind of refreshing for me and uh, it, I feel bad that it took a pandemic for me to really, you know, be able to be home, but it, it, it's been, it's been nice. In regards to our program, you know, we're connecting with them quite a bit uh, through text message. We have a lot, a lot of zoom meetings. We actually have a team meeting tomorrow night um, and we'll have like a zoom meeting probably once every, you know, week or two, just to kind of stay connected with them. Uh, we just had our end of the year individual meetings <laughs> through zoom last week, which was uh, a little bit interesting, but um, you know, we're, we're not going to let anything stop us. You know, one of the biggest things in our culture and our program is just control what you can control. And we don't have a whole lot of control with this whole pandemic. So what do you have control of? You have control of your, your effort, your attitude, your focus, you know, and how can you still make the most of things when you don't have a lot of control? And luckily we live in an age of technology and, and there's a lot of avenues there to be able to stay connected and still, you know, do the things that, that, that you, you know, are requiring of your program. And so it's been, it's been fun. It's been a challenge. You know, I miss, being in the office with my assistant because he, he, he's a guy that I care about a lot and uh, we don't get a chance to, you know, just hang out. We share an office every day. <laughs> so um, it, it's been a little bit uh, different and unique, not, not being around, but uh, you know, I, I miss the players like crazy. They're, they're part of my family and uh, I can't wait to get back with them. Yeah. I think unique is the perfect word to use. I think this is going to be a time where people really, uh, separate themselves and do things kind of outside the box to make it kind of normal for your program. And I think that's what everyone's trying to kind of find that footing. Um, I want to go back to the beginning with you and talk a little bit about your playing days, because I think it's a very interesting story. And I think it kind of uh, is part of the reason that you're the person you are today. Um, you have a nice career uh, in Barnesville, Minnesota, and you have a few options of schools that you can kind of go to to continue playing at the next level. You eventually end up at Mayville State, but you only end up playing for one year. Can you take me through why you decided to step away from the game of basketball and what that was like for you? Yeah, you know, um, the, the the team that I played for in, in high school, we were extremely close, like a lot of high school teams. And, um, uh, you know, we were all incredibly passionate about basketball. I mean, to this day – four of my high school teammates are working as either head coaches in, in high school, working at the college game or, you know, staying connected to basketball. And, you know, being a small school in Minnesota, you know, Barnes only had about 2000 kids. I had 50 kids in my class. It was a small class, but for the passion for the game to be there from all of us was, was pretty unique. And uh, I got a chance to go on to play college basketball at uh, Mayville state and, it was a really good fit for me from a school standpoint, but I just, I don't know if I wasn't ready for the change of culture 
at the college game. But I, I went through the preseason. I went through the first season, and I was, I was, I was, I was ready to kind of take the next step. But then something that just clicked inside of me where I was just, I wasn't enjoying basketball anymore. I, I kind of had to just get away. And I think I had to do that. As I look back now, I, I had to do that to become kind of the person that I am. You know, um, basketball was always my identity. It's, it's kind of how people knew me as. Like, oh, he's the basketball guy. And this stepping away from the game, which was incredibly tough, um, it gave me a chance to kind of become my own person, figure out who I am without the game. And I always knew that I wanted to coach, like no question. Um, my dad coached for years. I actually played for my dad in high school. And uh, having, having that opportunity to kind of step away and figure out who I am without basketball was re really, really important. And um, shortly after that, uh, I got back into coaching. You know, I, I took one year off, and then I kind of got back into coaching and uh, kind of just fell in love with the game again. And I needed that time away to – appreciate what the game has done for me and I have that same appreciation to this day um I, I think that time off was really 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 important for me well one could argue that that year away from basketball kind of led you to everything that has happened to you now since then you haven't taken any time off of basketball you get your first kind of foot in the door uh in a college program as a practice player for the women's team at Mayville State I always find it really interesting to ask. You were a player in the men's program first. And then what really drew you to the women's side of the game? And why have you stayed on that side for so long? You know, uh, like I said, I, I knew I wanted to coach. And that second year of school, Dennis Hutter was hired at uh, uh, Mayville State on the women's side. And I, um, one of my roommates at the time was, was helping him coach. And, and this, this roommate of mine, his job was to find guys for practice. So he asked me if I wanted to come and just getting back in there. We had the same five guys every single day at practice and it kind of became our team. And it, and it was really fun to kind of be there together. And I really appreciated everything that, that, that uh, coach Hutter stood for, you know, his, his kind of philosophy and approach to the game. And then after that first year, I said, you know, Hey, can I help? Can I help in some way? And, and he, he gave me a chance. And when I got into the women's game, I had a, a really, kind of a fun appreciation for the women's game. You know, the players are very loyal. They're, I think, unselfish, um, more so than, like, the men's side of the game. The game is played below the rim, and there's a lot more systematic and kind of strategic things that go into the women's game than the men's game. And uh, I just – I really, really kind of fell in love with um, the way that, that, that the women's game is going. You know, um, it's – I've always come from a very unselfish mentality when it comes to basketball, and that's how the women's game is played. And I love trying to figure out the best way to navigate a team and find the best way to be successful instead of just kind of flipping it to your best player and saying, go make a play. And so um, being, being in the women's game, it, it really gave me a whole new appreciation for how – the game of basketball can be such a beautiful game. And uh, I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity that the coach Hutter gave me that first year to take on a, <laughs> a young kid on his staff. Well, like you said, uh, first year, he kind of gave you a chance. And then you ended up staying with him for 12 years. You guys really had something special going at uh, Mayville state. You guys were 94 and 42 over those last five five years. Why do you think you guys were so successful during your time at Mayville State? 
Uh, it was it was just you know the culture that uh, that um, Coach Hutter established, and and he kind of let me kind of um, have my own voice in the program. You know, I'm I'm very appreciative of him because he gave me a chance to do a lot of things. He gave me a ton of responsibility. I wasn't just a you know a guy at practice that kept stats. He he let me coach. He let me recruit. He let me do a lot of things in the program. And we kind of had when when you do that your assistants take a lot more ownership in the program than just being, you know, on staff, you know, they, they, they really understand what it takes to be, you know, a coach. And uh, we found the right kids to fit our, our, our system. We found the right kids to fit our culture at Maple state. And we were fortunate to, to, to find some players that were very, very talented that really, you know, fell in love with Mayville. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, it was great though that that five year run was uh was really fun because we went we went from winning twelve games in in a three year span to then turning things around almost in one season and uh it was just it was a really fun journey. Coach Hutter and I worked really well together, bouncing ideas off each other and uh we we were both kind of driven and motivated by the same things, and that's about the people in the program and so uh it was it was a really fun time. There's a reason I was there for 12 years um, to go along with that. My wife got a job at Mayville and uh, we lived in Mayville, had a ton of connections and friends in Mayville. I love the people there and it was really hard to leave, but uh, it just came time to, that it was time for me to, to step away. Yeah. That's the next topic I want to kind of talk about. You obviously were there for most of your adult life. 12 years is a long time to be a coach at one place. And it's funny because the, program that you end up taking over is in the same conference why was it the right time for you to move to Dakota State and why was Dakota State the right fit you know being in a system for that long um you really start to see how you would run your own program and those last you know three three so years with coach Hutter um he and I had a lot of conversations and I started seeing some things that I might do differently than he would I was always a, a loyal assistant, but, you know, I started seeing kind of the program and the game a little bit differently than maybe he saw some of the, like the small aspects. And I really wanted a chance to try to do it myself. I always had a desire to be a head coach and I love this league. I love this area. You know, all of my, I have three sisters and, and my parents, they all live, you know, in this Midwest area. And so I wanted to stay close to them. Family is very important to me. And my wife's family is also from Minnesota, this area. And so we wanted to stay close to this area. And um, I always, I don't know, there's something about this league that always kind of just felt right. I got a lot of connections with the coaches in this league as an assistant. And when, when the job opened up at Dakota State, I knew that I wanted to be in this league. I thought DSU had a chance to be a really, really good program. I mean, they, DSU the 80s 90s and early 2000s were dominant and I wanted to kind of help bring this program back to uh, where they were and um, I think we're taking the right steps in 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 the right direction and you know going to DSU was uh, was a pretty easy easy choice for me honestly yeah um obviously having a knowledge of the kind of conference definitely helped you out. And I think you kind of saw that in your first year, you will go 12 and 19 as a first year head coach, first time having your own program. I'm sure you had to feel pretty good about that thinking, 
hey, maybe this head coaching thing isn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I'm going to get this place rolling really quick. What was it kind of like winning 12 games um, in your first year as a head coach? You know, it was it was fun, obviously. You know, the, the, the program at DSU hadn't won 10 games in like a nine or 10 year span. And so for us to come in and win 12 games was was really fun. We had – we had a, a senior in Kennedy Wagner who was uh, really, really impactful. And um, she kind of helped, you know, keep things, you know, going. We had a few other seniors on the team that, that were, you know, really good pieces. Um, we had some, some decent depth, um, but uh, you know, winning 12 games was, was really fun, but I, I think everyone in that program thought we, we, we could have done more. And uh you know, everyone after that first year was like, oh, you guys are fantastic. You're phenomenal. And, you know, Jamal and I were like, yeah, but we could be better. <laughs> and uh, um, but that first year was really fun. It was it was a, an absolute roller coaster. I mean, coming into a program where uh, the culture was completely different than what I was used to and uh, trying to change some of those things took a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of struggles. And uh, that kind of led to our second season, which I'm guessing we'll talk about. But uh, that that first year was an absolute roller coaster. Um, you know, we won 12 games, which is which was really fun. But uh, there are things that that I think we we would have definitely changed if we had a few different pieces. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's one of the hardest parts that you're kind of coming into something where there are players already there and there is that culture that may not reflect what you're all about so changing that is a big part of it um you kind of alluded to it and I think this is something that is obviously going to be a part of your story forever um that first year you went 12 games like you said everyone is telling you you guys are great but you guys thought you could have done a lot more so I'm sure year two was extremely tough for you you end up going four and 25 um, so a little bit of a step back. What was that year like, and what did you learn about yourself as a coach? Yeah, I mean that was that was a big step back. And uh, one of the one of the problems was is that after that first year, we we ended up cutting a few kids off the team because they didn't really fit, and they were talented, but they didn't really fit the direction and the culture that we wanted. Um, we had a few other players that left the program. Whenever a new coach comes in and has a different approach. You know, it's it's hard for returning players because they they came to play for a different coach at at DSU, and uh, I am very you know I'm kind of I am who I am. I don't really fluff things. I don't really kind of try to change who I'm talking to. I am who I am, and some of the players didn't really appreciate that. And that second year, we we recruited a really really talented class. Um, and at as we started getting into the season, we were starting four freshmen and a sophomore. Uh, I I scheduled very, very tough. And that's just kind of part of who I am. But I did that also to teach myself and our staff and the players that college basketball is way different than high school basketball. And we had these really talented freshmen that were coming in, going against, you know, four of our first five games were against the top 10 teams in the country. And, you know, we played Northwest in the first game of the year and got our doors blown off. And I think it really opened their eyes of, okay, I can't do what I did in high school and be successful like I was in high school. I need to change. And I think that 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 second year was a necessary evil for our program to get to where we wanted to get to. Um, and it kind of brought everyone back to kind of reality. You know, winning the, those 12 games that first year, people were, were thinking really high about our program. And 
we brought in a really, really solid class that, that we told them we're going to change the program. And, and they've, they've started doing that now, but that first year it took us kind of taking it on the chin for us to realize that, okay, we need to change our approach. We need to get better every day. We can't just walk into a gym and, you know, be successful because of our name. We have to put the work in and it was very tough. I learned how to be, um, much more patient. Uh, I also learned to just stay focused on the process and don't worry about the end result. You know, the, the whole year that that second season was about, let's just focus on getting better today. Let's get better today. And from the start of the season to the end, we got a lot better and our record didn't show that. But as players and as coaches, we, we got better every single day and it kind of led into this this season, and you know we we kind of turned things around. But we needed that that one year to really kind of start the program over because we 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 basically had three returning players from that first team that second year, and we needed that time to kind of rebuild the program. And you know they say there's no better place to rebuild than 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 from rock bottom because rock bottom is a great foundation. It's it's solid. And, and we kind of needed that to rebuild the program. Yeah, I like that um, analogy a lot. And obviously, you didn't want to lose that many games, but I like how you kind of said it was necessary. And I think that mm-hmm. leads right into our next point, because looking back, that was obviously an extremely tough year. Um, you had to reflect and do a lot of things. But it kind of led to that breakthrough that you had this year, where you guys finished 17 and 14. Um, I want to dive deeper into that season because there's a lot of different things that kind of went into this successful season, but how satisfying was it to kind of bounce back this year after that rough year too? I mean, it was, it was awesome. And, you know, we started out slow, you know, we, we started like we were two and nine at one point this, this year. And some of the returning players kind of had the mentality of, Oh, here we go again. And it was we, we just told them, hey, just stay focused on getting better every single day. We, we kind of had the same approach. Just get better, get better, get better. Because we knew that if we continue to get better, we had the talent there to be successful. And if our mentality matched our talent, then we had a chance to be really, really good. And we just stayed with it. We stayed, you know, with the process. And it was one day at a time. Let's just focus on getting better today at practice. Let's be better at the end than we were at the beginning. And, uh, as we stayed focused with the process, their trust and belief in each other really started to grow. Their trust and belief in the system that we're running really started to grow. And just one day, everything kind of clicked of, hey, we can do this. And that belief really drove us to going from, I think we were 6 and 11 at one point to finishing 17 and, and, and 13. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun to see um, them really believe and trust in each other because they're the ones that are doing it. You know, I, mm-hmm. it, we can be the, the, I can be the best coach in the world, but I'm never going to score a basket. I'm never going to get a rebound. I'm never going to get a stop. It's the players that do that. And when they really started to believe in each other, that's when we took off. And it was, uh, it was so much fun. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, they use the term belief because it's not even something X's and O's or anything that they can really do physically on the court. It's just that mental flip of the switch that needed to happen. And you kind of nailed it right on the head. Um, you guys finished 17 and 14, but if we were to look into the season, 17 games in, you guys are sitting at 6 and 11. 
Um, you have a home game against your old program, Mayville State, who was ranked number 16 at the time. Um, you end up losing by two points. So you didn't quite pull that out. But what did that tell you kind of about your team and what was going to happen during the season? You know, and, th- and that game ended. Uh, Morgan Kepsel, who was our, our post player, had a wide open shot right next to the rim at, at the end of regulation, and she missed it to, to lose that game by two. <laughs> I mean, we, we had I've that same shot. Of them. Yeah, I mean, 100 times she's going to make 99 of them, and she, she missed that one. Um, but mm-hmm. we were down by eight with a minute to go in that game, and our players just finally kind of dug their heels in the, and, and said, no, we can do this. And it was – in those moments that they decided to do it together and not try to do it, you know, individually, but, but do it as a team. That's when we were playing our best. Mm -hmm. And that last minute of that game was crazy. We had two steals in the backcourt to, you know, you know, cut it to two. Uh, We got a stop. And then Jesse Giles made a great, a great play, dished it off to Morgan capsule and she missed the layup. But I think being there at the end of the game against the number 16 team in the country prove to our players that hey we can we can compete with anyone and when and when they really started to get that belief that's when we we just took off and they did it together and they stayed together and nothing was going to get in their way that was kind of the turning point of the season and it was it was a tough loss but again it was necessary for us to 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 understand how much we could achieve if we continue to do things together yeah, your team was a group of fighters, and I saw that firsthand. Um, after that Mayville loss, your team caught fire. Like, I literally mean you couldn't lose. Um, I have to give <laughs> some credit to my boss, um, someone you know pretty well, Lionel Jones. He told me all year, because this is my first year, so I wasn't super familiar with the conference yet, but he said, don't look at Dakota State's record. That's not going to be a team you want to play. And it took a little bit, but he was right. Um, after that game, you guys rolled off 10 straight wins with nine of those being in conference. And honestly, none of those games were even really close. Um, I think we do have to talk about the one game that stretched that was really close. Um, yeah. It's honestly going to hurt my heart a little bit. <laughs> but I'm talking about the game at Dakota State against my own uh, the Turbo V-Hawks that you guys won. 89 to 88 in double overtime. Um, it was one of the wildest games I've ever been a part of, but I think it kind of told the story of what kind of team you had. Um, it, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the V-Hawks, we had a pretty substantial lead in the third, second half, or early second half, third quarter, and Dakota State just kept chipping away, chipping away, and it kind of brought us into double OT where they pulled it out of the end. Take me through what you learned about your team and just what you remember about that game. I mean, I, going into that game, we said the same thing that you guys said about us. We we told the team, hey, but Turbo's not a team you, you want to sleep on. You were the team that that kind of kept me up the most that night because I saw the way you guys played. Your, you know, you, your team played so hard. You played together. You were young, and you were just starting to figure it out. You guys came off of, I think you beat Bellevue the night before, and – you know, you guys were, were feeling really good and coming into our place, I knew it was going to be a dogfight and we kind of got up big and then we, we kind of took a step back and you guys put it on us through the second and third quarters. And with three minutes to go in the game, we we're down 10 or 12 
And yep. I remember we, we had a timeout, and in the timeout, the team just kind of rallied around each other and said, hey, let's just do it together. Let's have team offense, team defense, and let's do this thing together one possession at a time. And it wasn't even me saying it. It was the team that just finally got to the point, like their back was against the wall. This is the time to really kind of turn things around. And we just chipped away, went to overtime. Overtime was crazy. Double overtime. <laughs> and then we we got that steal late in the double overtime. And then we ended up, you know, pulling, pulling out by one. And it was huge for us because the way that our conference is set up, we were turned around to come right back to you guys' place the next weekend. <laughs> and yep. you, were, yep. you were the last team that I wanted to see again. <laughs> <laughs> and so being able to come out with a victory in that game, I think gave our, our team a lot of confidence going back to your place that next weekend to say, hey, let's do it together. We can do this. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a wild game. I agree with you. In my coaching career, that was one of the most fun, entertaining, wild games and I, I, you know, I couldn't give you guys enough credit because just of the way that you guys compete, um, it was so much fun to just compete that game. And somebody had to win. I'm glad it was us, but <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a wild ride. It, it, it was a really fun game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we will take a little bit of credit to help push you to those ten game, that ten game <laughs> winning streak. Yes. Yeah. Um, I want to fast forward a little bit. So you ride that winning streak for a while. You guys do end up losing your last game of the regular season to a tough Bellevue team. Um, nothing wrong with that. Um, you start the conference tournament off of a pretty solid win against um, Dickinson State, I believe. Yep. And just like that, you're in the conference final four for the first time as a head coach. Um, I think that life kind of has a funny way of going full circle. And that was the case here with you having to face your former program, Mayville State. What were you thinking and feeling kind of going into that semifinal game? You know, anytime we played Mayville State, there was obviously a little bit more, um, you know, intensity because the players understood that, that that's where myself and my assistant both, you know, came from. And so, you know, there was a lot of pressure on that game. It's the final four. And, you know, we knew that, that we had to play well really well in that game to give ourselves a chance. You know, Mayville was a veteran team that nine seniors, they're well coached, they play hard, they play together. And, you know, throughout the year, they got us at our place. We beat them at their place by about 20. And we knew that we could win that game. And our plan was to, you know, be aggressive and, and let's get to the free throw line. And we did that. We just didn't make enough free throws. You know, that's what it kind of came down to. And, you know, Mayville, made enough plays down the stretch to win the game. It, it was similar to that game against you guys at our place in that double overtime. We got down late. We kind of clawed back, fought back, tied the game, and then they ended up making free throws down the stretch, and, and we didn't make enough free throws during the game. You know, we missed a total of 12 free throws that game, which was kind of the difference. Um, but, you know, for our young team to be there, you know, we started three three sophomores and two freshmen. For our yep. young team to be in that position, competing against a veteran team, you know, for a full 40 minutes and being right there at the end to possibly play, you know, you guys in the championship um, gave us a lot of uh, a lot of hope and belief that we are doing things the right way. And, uh, you know, it was a tough way to lose, especially to Mayville. But um, I, I can't wait for the future of this program. And, you know, the future is really bright here. 
Yeah, like you said, you guys fall by three. Um, I was there watching that game. Um, you guys started off pretty well. Then it was back and forth, and you guys actually got down by like 10 in the fourth. I was kind of worried that you guys were going to be dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And just looking back, you guys, like we've been talking about, group of fighters, you hold Mayville uh, without a field goal for the last three minutes to give you guys self a chance. You really throw that press on and start forcing some turnovers. So it was an extremely exciting game. Just didn't quite um, end up on your side. Take me through kind of uh, what you told your team in the locker room and the emotions that your kind of group went through. You know, that's that's the hardest thing for head coach is that, end of, you know, final game locker room talk. You know, we had a senior that came back for her fifth year and Lindsay Vogel who, you know, poured her heart and soul into the program and, and being in there talking is always very, very challenging. Um, and we just told them that it, we're so incredibly proud of them, you know, for, for the way that they – never quit this year. You know, we had every opportunity to just fold up shop um, from going six and 11 to turning things around in that moment, we could have just folded up shop and we could have finished with six wins on the season. You know, who, who knows, but, but, but mm-hmm. they continue to fight. And in all those games, you know, um, that we got down and we really just, we, we, we kept on believing we didn't stop fighting. Um, I, I was so proud of the team. I was so proud of the program and I, and I was so proud of where they've taken the program. And, uh, you know, we just talked about it's a tough way to go, but don't forget how you feel right now. Use that as motivation going into next year. You know, we lose one senior, but everyone's returning and, uh, use this adversity as, as a benefit and as a positive going forward. You know, we use our adversity after the second year winning four games to propel us to, to 17 wins. I'm really excited to see how they use this adversity of the way that we lost going into next year. Um, but that locker room was, uh, it, it was tough. There was tears for our senior, but I think there was a lot of uh, just overall pride in DSU from the players of what we accomplished. And, you know, like I said, the future is really bright and our players can't wait to get back. Yeah, um, you have a great thing going there, so I'm sure the players are really hungry to kind of build on last year. I want to, before we continue, give a shout-out to the Dakota State fans. They really came in full force for your uh, comp or for the Final Four, and we experienced it twice and saw it where they kind of really impacted the game. So I think Dakota State has a great – kind of fan support and I think that's really helps you guys especially when you guys are at home no we have we have amazing fans and that's something that you know makes DSU special is that everyone cares about each other you know it's not it's not one program ahead of the other program we all care about each other we care about DSU success we and there's a lot of pride in the Trojan brand at DSU and that's one of the cool fans are there they're and they just they just love their athletics and they love DSU athletics and you know it. I was so thankful that our players got a chance to play in that kind of environment because they deserved it, you know. And it was so much fun to be a part yep. of that game. Yeah, well, we, you kind of alluded to it, but you finished your seventeen and fourteen conference semifinals. I think you proved to everyone and put them on notice that this isn't the same team or program that went forward 25 the year before um, you kind of talked about it, but looking at your starting lineup for that semifinal game, you see names like 
Giles, Kepsel, Fick, Walsdorf, and McDonald, all freshmen or sophomores. So you have a lot coming back. How do you feel about the future of Dakota State women's basketball? Obviously really good. You know, um, I'm, I feel good about it. You know, when, when we recruit, the number one thing we look for is character. What kind of person are they? Are they a good person? Are they high character? Do they care about their teammates? That kind of stuff. And we, you know, it, it goes character, effort, coachability, and then talent. And we've been very, very fortunate to find really good kids that work hard, that have that desire to want to get better and are coachable and are talented. And, you know, we, we were really young. Like you said, we started three sophomores and two freshmen and the players that we brought off the bench were sophomores and freshmen. And um, I think, I think they all kind of realize how good they can really be this year. And like I said, they're very, very driven right now. They got, they got a taste of success and now they're really, really hungry for it. And you know, just just seeing, you know, in our postseason meetings and just seeing the way that they're attacking these, you know, we send them like weekly challenges to do. But seeing the way that, that they're attacking this stuff, it, it gets me so excited for next year because they're ready to take this program to the next level. And, you know, um, and, and, and that's all the players. You know, it's it's the players that are doing it as long as they stay together and are, you know, stay true to who they are and be unselfish and never quit fighting, we have a chance to be really, really good. And I just can't wait to get back on the floor. You know, once that, once that game was done, I think they all wanted to start next season <laughs> right now. And uh, yeah. it's uh, I think everyone's really excited for next year. There's a lot of buzz around our program and the, the, the mentality that we're going with for next year is, you know, nobody cares, get better. I don't, I, I don't care how good people think we are. I guarantee Viterbo doesn't care. We need to get better. You know, Mabel doesn't care how good we are. We need to get better. And just having that that approach of nobody cares, just get better is kind of our whole mantra right now going into this spring, summer, and and fall for next year. And there's going to be a ton of competition on our team. Everyone returns, and and players want, you know, playing time, and they want their spot. And what's fun about competition is that it drives those that, that are competitive. And we have some really competitive kids, and I'm excited to see how far they can take their game. Yeah, uh, I like that. Nobody cares. Just get better. Um, I know you didn't end the season how you wanted, and you're not a big person who's going to sit and reflect on last year and kind of sit on your laurels, but I do want to commend you. I think you guys are doing some great things at Dakota State. You have some great players and high-character athletes, and I'm excited to kind of get to face you and see where that ends up. I'm going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions. Try to answer them in three words or less, all right? Okay. How would your players describe you as a coach? Uh, I'd probably say passionate, um, disciplined, and focused. Okay. Yeah. Best player you have ever coached against? Uh, uh, probably go back to my, my Mabel days. We, we played against UND one year, and that uh, a post player named Kira Kimbrough from Northern Minnesota, who was just an absolute terror. Uh, 6'2", <laughs> lefty, athletic, did everything. Um, in regards to, like, our level and, like, my time at DSU, I'd probably say Kennedy Cheeseman from from Dakota Wesleyan. Just super steady and, I mean, phenomenal player. Okay, that's a good I one. I don't, Someone I don't in- have oh. the big name like Khalid Alamine, like uh, uh, Coach Jones. <laughs> 
I think he had an unfair advantage on that question a <laughs> yeah. little bit. Alamine was a dog, though. He was good. <laughs> Someone in the coaching industry you really respect? Uh, I think big time, I'd, I'd say Mark Few, a guy at Gonzaga who has, you know, just stuck with the program. He knows he's not at, at the biggest conference, kind of like, you know, DSU in regards to other conference, you know, like the North Star in regards to other conferences. But a guy like Mark Few who has just stayed true to who he is, he wanted to build something amazing at this smaller school, and he hasn't left. He's had opportunities to leave, and he's just stayed – locked into Gonzaga and making his program the best that they can be. And they're my favorite college basketball team. I love what he stands for, and I have a ton of respect for the way that he does things. I'm always impressed how he's able to reload every single every year. year. I think that's just a fantastic yeah. job. It's crazy to me. Toughest coach you have ever faced. Uh, um, I think someone who I have a ton of respect for at our level and who I coached against when I was at Mayville – and actually, Coach Jones alluded to this in, in, in his podcast was uh, Drew Olson at Concordia University um, down in uh, oh, yeah. Nebraska. He uh, the way that he handles his program and how hard his kids play and how much they believe in him as a coach and believe in each other as a team. And from top to bottom, they just flat out compete. Uh, he's a coach that um, was incredibly tough to coach against, but also a guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. He's always willing to talk. He's always, you know, he's just a, he's a great guy. Uh, he's, he, he's, a, he, he's a Christian man, which I, which is a big part of my life as well. And um, he's, he's a guy that I've, I've reached out to and just the way that he gets his players to compete is something that, that we're trying to do at DA2 as well. And so um, listening to coach Jones talk about that game against Concordia, you know, his first year uh, just kind of brought me back to, you know, we played Concordia when I was at Mayville, and uh, yeah, his 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 program is just so steady and consistent, and they've been super super successful. They're kind of that Duke of our level. They're just what everyone aspires to kind of be right it's true. now. True, it's true. So that's that's awesome. Okay, the last question I got for you, and I always like to end the podcast with this: is if you're talking to a prospective recruit or someone who may be interested in your women's basketball program, tell me why Dakota State is a special place to continue your academic and athletic career for the next four years. Um, I think it really comes down to the people. Uh, the people in the city of Madison are just amazing. You know, they're, they're blue-collar. You know, Madison's a town of about 7,000 people. It's a smaller town. And they just – they love – anyone who's associated with Madison. They love anyone associated with DSU. The people on campus, they have just an overwhelming like heart for the, the, the student success. Um, and within, you know, the athletic department, like I, like I talked about with the fans is that everyone cares about each other at DSU and you really get that sense of family and that bond being part of something bigger than yourself. And when you come to DSU, you get that, you know, a big part of our program is family, you know, and um, that the players on the team, you know, like a family, they're going to, you know, push each other's buttons and they're going to push each other and drive each other. But at the end of the day, they love each other. And that's what we're trying to do with our program. And if you want to be part of something special and a program that's on the rise and be a part of something that, that that's just bigger than you, that's more than just basketball, 
DSU is where, where you need to be. And um, I'm very passionate about DSU. Obviously, I'm very passionate about college basketball. And I just think they're going to get a, an amazing basketball experience at DSU because of the people in Madison and at DSU. Awesome, Coach. I appreciate you taking some time to talk to me uh, today. I know you are busy in a different way than we're used to, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I look forward to kind of facing off uh, with the Trojans soon. I hope that you and your family stay safe, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I look forward to seeing you, too. And I, I do have to say, I am, I am so excited to compete against Viterbo for years to come. You guys are building the program the right way. Coach Jones is an amazing coach, an amazing man, and you guys are building that program up. And I, and I can't wait for the next few years really competing against each other. It's going to be a blast. I really appreciate that, Coach. All right, take yep. it easy. Talk to you later. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the head wounds basketball coach at Dakota State, Dave Moe. Once again, I want to thank Coach Moe for joining the pod. I've enjoyed getting to know Dave, and I'm looking forward to many battles in the future. If you made it all the way to the end of the pod, I want to say thank you to you as well. If you enjoyed the Small School Big Time Hoops podcast, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and keep tuning in. If you know someone who loves the game of basketball like you do, help them out and share the pod with them. We have a lot more great guests joining the podcast very soon. This is Javon Masters with the Small School Big Time Hoops podcast, and until next time, stay safe, stay positive, and keep growing the game.